Hey, what's up, bozos? Jake Steele here. Ironandsteel.com is the website. This is the Iron and Steel podcast, episode number 47. And uh, per usual, thank you guys very much for joining me. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, However you found me, you're here now. So make sure you click follow or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Uh, Also on the website, ironandsteel.com. Click subscribe, punch in your email, takes 14.1 seconds, maybe less, and uh, you'll be kept up to date on all the fresh content. So if you're new here, ironandsteel.com, there's a fresh article every Tuesday and uh, a fresh podcast episode Tuesday morning as well. So this is a weekly deal. In most cases, we are uh, telling stories submitted by you guys, so readers and listeners to the podcast and uh and website so uh yeah it's a lot of fun this week we're going to do something a little bit different uh reason being so if you're uh if you listen often you'll remember that we always do a q a at the end of every episode uh people submit questions comments topics whatever and we always cover that uh at the end one of the questions that came through this week was fairly in-depth and there were uh this person was asking about uh car insurance for hot rods and custom cars so Um, the gist of it was like, uh, you know, you have a few cars, what's your experience been with, uh, insurance, good, bad, or indifferent. Do you have opinions about things? And it reminded me that I actually wrote a review of Haggerty a couple of years ago. So I've never shared that on the podcast. I figured I might as well. This is as good a time as any. So we're going to do that. And then, um, last week was the, uh, Clyde Wooten's celebration of life. Our friend that passed away. Oh, a month and a half or so ago. Uh, and I was talking to his widow at that deal and uh, the subject of his Pontiac came up. And if you guys are unfamiliar with the Clyde Wooten Pontiac, it's a 58 Pontiac Chieftain. That is an absolute motherfucking knockout. 60s Watson style custom car. That is an absolute 10 out of 10. And uh, I actually wrote, I guess probably a couple of years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, Clyde called me and he said, uh, essentially, in so many words, the point was, you know, it doesn't look like I'm going to be driving anymore. So I think I would like to sell a couple of cars. He had a whole bunch of cars, a whole bunch of bitching cars. Uh, And one of the ones that he wanted to sell was his 58 Pontiac. And so at that time... I wrote a for sale ad essentially, but it was kind of a hybrid story slash uh, classified ad type of thing. So I wrote that and published it, posted the car for sale. Um, I've never shared that either. So we're gonna talk about that this week as well, just because I was talking to Marissa Clyde's widow and uh, she mentioned that the car is, basically the car is still for sale. Uh, she doesn't plan on keeping it. It's just too much. It's too nice of a car, too much to worry about for her. And basically, uh, she would like to still sell that car. So, yeah, at some point, I want to write a dedicated story about Clyde and get into that because I've known Clyde for, I don't know, 15 years or so. And the story of how I encountered him for the first time and just. Clyde's story in general is uh, pretty interesting, super guy. And so at some point, I'll write a dedicated story about Clyde. But for this week, uh, I'm going to do the Haggerty thing, answer a bunch of that person's questions, and then I'm going to read you the for sale um, story slash classified ads about Clyde's car. Um, You need to go to the website, ironandsteel.com, and look for the actual article itself uh, about Clyde's car. It's on the second page. It's like Clyde Wooten's Pontiac. Uh, The photos are John Jackson's. Uh, He was nice enough to let me use those in that um, classified ad. So the photos are absolute 10 out of 10. The car is a 10 out of 10. It is striking. And uh, yeah, you can go there and check it out for yourself. Uh, Ironandsteel.com. I think the article is called For Sale, the Clyde Wooten Pontiac. It's yeah, pretty straightforward. You'll know it when you see it. And uh, yeah, I want to kind of help spread the word and drum up a little bit of interest um, on her behalf. And selfishly, (laughs) I need to get somebody interested in that car and have it go to the right home before I 
do something really stupid and uh, try to figure out a way to get it myself. I don't need the car. It's a big car. I don't have room for it. And, you know, to get it, I would have to sell something and I just don't have anything I want to sell. So super impractical, but uh, I can tell you every time I see that car, I start thinking real fucking dumb <laughs> because it is so beautiful, that car. It's indescribable. Uh, the photos in the article represent it really well. John's photos are great. Uh, but to see this car in person is, it's indescribable. Uh, the, the car is incredible. So it's been out for a long time. A lot of you have probably seen photos of it. It won every single thing in the world when it debuted in 2014, I believe it was. And uh, yeah, it deserved every single trophy and accolade that it received. It is indescribable. So <clears throat> anyway, that car is still for sale. I would like to try to get uh, get that going for uh, Clyde's widow, Marissa. So listen to the story. Everything that I say in that story is absolutely true. Uh, when I wrote it, you know, Clyde was still alive. Clyde was, uh, I don't know how to describe him. Incredibly humble, very, very modest. So I kind of had to walk the tightrope in the story of like not overselling the car or, you know, making too big of a deal about it because it was just in Clyde's nature to not brag basically. And so, yeah, everything I say in the story is absolutely true. The photos speak for themselves. And if anything in the actual article itself, I'm underselling the car. I can't describe how amazing it is, uh, properly in English words. It's, uh, yeah, it's incredible. So listen to the story. We're going to talk about Haggerty. We're going to talk about Clyde's car. Go to the website. You can see all the photos of Clyde's car. And uh, let's hope to kind of spread the word. Maybe find that car a new home. Uh, whoever gets it is going to be king shit because that car is incredible. So, yeah, hop over to the website, uh, ironandsteel.com. In the meantime, kick back and relax. Uh, I'll read you those two stories. And then we'll do a quick little Q&A and then we'll say our goodbyes. All right, guys, here we go. Doubleheader uh, Haggerty Review and the Clyde Wooten 58 Pontiac. Okay, guys, here we go. So uh, per usual, my little weekly disclaimer, I'm just scrolling through my website, reading this stuff aloud straight off the site. Just kind of scrolling through, reading it aloud as I go as best I can. So if I fumble over a word here or there, just cut me a little bit of slack. Uh, the way I look at it is the stakes are low. It's low key, low pressure. So yeah, it is what it is. Um, let's start off with the Haggerty article. And when I first when I first published this, it was probably a couple of years ago. I had a few people reach out and just flat out ask uh, if Haggerty paid me <laughs> to write this. Uh, article because it is essentially a review um and the answer is no i i wish uh but sadly no so my extent the extent of my relationship with haggerty is when i sit down once a year and uh, write them a check to insure my cars and that's it they're not i'm not affiliated with them this wasn't a paid review uh, i've been asked to review things in the past i never liked doing that just because you know, usually they want to send you something or offer you something in return. So you feel the pressure <laughs> of offering a favorable review. And uh, I'm a pretty cynical guy, as most of you probably already know. Uh, I'm not impressed by a lot of things. And uh, so therefore, I just don't think reviewing products is a great fit for me. Uh, and so I don't use this platform to do that very often. But in this particular case, this is an unprompted, accurate review and kind of depiction of my interactions with Haggerty and uh, yeah I was struck enough by the experience that I thought I should sit down and sort of give credit where credit is due so that's what I did it goes like this uh, after this we're going to talk about Clyde and his uh, Pontiac and uh, then we'll do some Q&A and then we'll say our goodbyes all right here's what I have to say about Haggerty uh, here we go so I'm a guy that has to have a guy when it comes to things that I want to purchase. What I mean is 
I'm not heading blindly into a car dealership to buy a car. I need to know someone. I'm not interested in walking into any auto parts store and getting the year, make, and model treatment from some tween when I just need a simple 12-volt starter relay. What I need is my guy that just knows what it is and where it is on the shelf. I couldn't stomach the idea of picking a shipper from a Google search to haul a car. It just doesn't work that way for me. I can't do it. I have to have, quote, my guy and feel like I'm getting that VIP treatment. You know, the one thing that we all want, the thing that used to be commonplace, it's a little thing called customer service. So imagine my angst when there are things that are beyond my control. There are some things that I do have to just wing due to the fact that I just don't know anybody in that field and don't know where to start. And one example of just such a situation was when it came time to have my cars insured by a dedicated specialty car insurance company. So I had had a car or two with my regular insurance company for quite a while. I kept them there mostly due to my own laziness. I knew they probably weren't insured as well as they could have been, but for a long time I figured it was probably good enough. Until one day when I started asking real questions about my coverage. And what I learned was that in short, I had been dodging a bullet for a very long time. <clears throat> it sort of began when I tried to add a car to my policy. I wanted to make sure it was insured properly, so I explained to my agent what the car was, the condition that it was in, the amount of money I felt it was worth, and what I wanted to insure it for. After much debate, they told me that to get anywhere even close to the dollar amount that I wanted to be, I would need to provide them with receipts, dozens of photos, multiple comparables, and a certified appraisal from a professional antique car dealer. Huh? Not only that, they wanted the odometer reading and reminded me that I was not to drive more than X amount of miles a year and only to shows or in a parade. You get the idea. So I figured I'd better wise up and do a little research so I could finally get proper coverage on these cars. I started by asking around, who were my friends using? How had their experiences been? Had they had any claims? Were they happy? And through all of these conversations, there was one name that popped up often. That name was Haggerty. So here's my little nickel Google tour of Haggerty. Haggerty Insurance Agency was started in 1984 by Frank and Louise Haggerty. Initially, they sold agreed value policies for boats. They would add antique cars to their offerings in, in the early 1990s. And today, they have the ability to insure just about every kind of special interest vehicle you could dream up. They are still a family-run business to this day, and it shows. What do I mean by that? So I finally picked up the phone. I don't know what I was expecting, but I guess I figured it would be the typical stuffy insurance call. The type of deal where you sit on indefinite holds or painfully navigate an endless series of automated prompts for 15 minutes before finally reaching a reluctant employee that seemingly drew the short straw and simply could not avoid having to take my call any longer. 
That's what I was expecting. But in fact, I ended up with the exact opposite experience. So I dialed the number. Within less than one minute, I was on the phone with an actual human who cheerfully asked how they could assist me. I let her know that I was exploring the option of insuring my cars with Haggerty, and I asked how we should begin the process. Here's the weird part. Get this. She seemed genuinely excited at the prospect of helping me, and even more excited that I might become a customer. Odd, I know. So, we got the formalities out of the way. What kinds of vehicles, the condition, how are they stored, what are their values? She happily clicked the boxes as I answered her questions, and when it came to the end of the process, she gave me the bottom line. She said, okay, so for those vehicles at these values, the cost would be X amount annually. I was admittedly a little confused. You see, the numbers seemed to be almost too good to be true, so I started asking questions. I said, okay, so if this happens, then what happens? How does it work in this scenario? What if for some strange reason XYZ happens? What then? Am I on my own if I do this? What happens if this happens? Am I covered in this situation too? And for every question, there was a straightforward answer that was explained clearly and honestly. By the time we got to the end of this whole conversation, I was so impressed that all I could say was sign me up. And just as I was ready to read off my debit card number, it popped into my head. The one question I had forgotten to ask. I knew it was all too good to be true. Wait, I said, what are the restrictions for mileage? What's the limit? I knew I had her. And this is where it would all unravel, I was sure. I was very relieved that I had caught myself before she took my actual payment since this was surely gonna be the catch. Finally, she explained, sir, we don't restrict mileage. We want you to be able to drive and enjoy your cars the way that you see fit. Oh. So that was my first experience with Haggerty. <clears throat> Needless to say, I was impressed. I wondered over time though, if that was just an anomaly, like, maybe I had just happened to have gotten the cheeriest employee that they had. Someone who happened to be in a good mood that day. Maybe it was like her last call of the day. Or maybe she was that one overachiever in the office. The one that all of the other employees roll their eyes at when they turn their back. Yep, I thought, that had to be it. I had gotten the one good one there, and the next time I called, I would surely get the average treatment from some reluctant bozo anxious to get me off the phone so they could take their lunch break. I thought to myself, damn it, I should have written down her name. She was my guy. But a funny thing happened when I called back several months later to make a change to my policy. I got an equally helpful and genuinely nice person on that call too. And again, a few weeks later, when I called to ask about race car coverage. Over the last four or so years, I can say that I have probably dealt with Haggerty on approximately 10 or 12 different occasions. I can also say honestly, that I have never, ever had a negative experience with them. In fact, the experiences have always been 
abnormally pleasant. They are prompt about sending me updated policy information when, the cha when changes are made. And what they send me always reflects the details that we discussed over the phone. The amount that they bill me is always the amount that we discuss and have agreed to. There's never any bait and switch, supposed clerical errors, or other games. Their rates seem to be competitive and the coverage they offer is outstanding. Hell, they even insure projects. In fact, one of my cars is in about 300 pieces. It isn't even a recognizable car. And they have agreed to insure it in its current state for the value that I placed on it. I currently have eight vehicles insured with Haggerty and will be adding hopefully one more shortly. I also have a trailer insured with them. Yeah, they do those too. And while I have been fortunate enough to have not needed to file a claim with them, I have several close friends who have, and I've asked them a lot of questions about the process and have never heard anything other than that the claim was processed quickly, without hassle, payment was made in a timely manner, and the experience overall was great. One friend, in fact, is in the specialty car collision business and has dealt with Haggerty on that level as well. He also reports that they are pleasant and prompt to deal with and has no complaints. And just as a little side note, this is the only insurance company he says he can say that about. So some other perks thrown in are things like uh, roadside assistance and towing, which are available at varying levels and uh, all seem to be reasonably priced. Their website also has a lot of valuable things to offer, including articles, valuation tools, and other interactive things that other companies seem to offer just to say that they do. While Haggerty's seems to be actually well thought out and useful. Even their Drivers Club magazine is authentic and well put together. It's one of the very few things that I get in the mail these days that I don't simply toss straight into the garbage can. Okay, so what's the bottom line? To me, it's this. Very simply put, in a fast-paced, throwaway society that has long ago chucked old-school values and customer service straight out the window, there are still a select few companies out there that truly understand what it takes to conduct business the proper way with genuine customer service and follow through. So, if you're like me, one of these fucking weirdos that needs to, quote, have a guy, all I can tell you is that in my experience, you will find him or her at Haggerty. Okay, girls and guys, uh, that was my little spiel on Haggerty. And again, I'm not affiliated with Haggerty in any way. They, I'm not, you know, they didn't pay me to write that. That's truly how I felt about the experiences that I've had with them up to this point. Uh, I will add two small notes to that little story. Since I wrote that, I probably dealt with them on the phone another 15 times making changes to my policy. Uh, all of those experiences have been positive. Uh, and everything I said in the article still holds true to play devil's advocate a little bit. Uh, one thing did happen though, that was not favorable. And I'll tell you about that too, because it just is what it is. Uh, I have their roadside assistance and I used it once and it was absolutely terrible. And here's how it went. So I bought a 32 Ford from the estate of Stan Oaks. Um, and I forget why, but my trailer was occupied. So I thought, I went there, made the deal, bought the car. I thought, I'll just initiate Haggerty's roadside assistance. They'll come pick up the car. I wanted to tow it to my friend Robbie's shop, his actual repair shop, uh, and put it on an open rack that he had. 
uh, because the car hadn't ran in a long time. I wanted to get it up on the lift and do a couple things. So my genius plan was I called Haggerty Roadside Assistance. They initiated the call. <clears throat> and, um, you know, in that situation, just like anybody's roadside assistance program, these companies just sublet that out, right? To the local companies and tow companies in your area that they have relationships with. So, yeah. So they did that, uh, set me up with some tow company I'd never heard of, whatever, no problem. They're supposed to be there within an hour. Hour goes by, hour and a half. I call. Um, Haggerty is helpful, sympathetic, trying to get a hold of the tow company, but the tow company's not responsive or uh, lukewarm about how much they care about the fact that I'm sitting there waiting for them to show up. So long story short, this hour long saga turns into three and a half hours before the guy shows up. Uh, Haggerty was great all the way to their credit, all the way through the process, but the tow company that they were trying to get this done through were just a bunch of straight up douchebags. So the guy finally shows up uh, three and a half hours later. He looks like an absolute fucking straight up crackhead. I mean, just a fucking bozo. You know, face tattoos, like not in a cool way, like straight from the methadone clinic. Just a fucking piece of shit. I hated him the second he got out of the car, mostly because I've been waiting for almost four hours for him to show up. And he kind of like slithers out and gives me the like, so I'm like, well, what's up is I need to haul this fucking car to this place. So anyway, I was as nice as I could be. We got it on the trailer. He had or on the rollback. He had the address of where we were going to go. I said, hey, I'll meet you there. See you in 15 minutes. Sounds great. I go to uh, Robbie's shop. I sit there and wait. And the guy doesn't show up. 15 minutes go by, 20 minutes, a half hour, an hour so I call the tow company and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Here's the driver's number that gives me a cell number. Great. Whatever. So I call him. I'm like, Hey guy, uh, what are you doing with my extremely nice 32 Ford? That's on the back of that, you know, rollback tow truck. And now it's raining and all this shit too. Like, it's just not cool. Like I, I want the car delivered, you know? And he's like, Oh yeah, I'm in downtown Portland. <laughs> well, where the car left from was about 40 minutes outside of downtown Portland. And I said, well, uh, what brings you down there, bud? <laughs> yeah, like, what are you doing? Did you forget that you have my car? And he goes, well, no, I, no, dispatch called. And uh, they wanted me to go pick up a car from the auction. So I'm going to run down there first, pick up this car from the auction, haul it out to this other place, dump it off at the yard, and then I'll buzz out. I'm like, let me see if I have this right. You have like my nicely restored 32 Ford on the back of your truck and you're going into the ghetto in a rainstorm to haul a smashed up fucking Acura from the auction to some like Russian gypsies fucking pot lot. Like, no, dude, turn around. Bring me my car. Yeah, no, no I'm already here. It's, it's going to be an hour and a half. <laughs> so... I was livid. I called the tow company. I mean, I'm Googling where they are. I'm going to go stab people. I was so fucking mad. And the tow company was basically just like, hey, dude, eat a dick. We don't care. <laughs> like, call someone else next time. So it was terrible. Uh, the guy finally showed up. Uh, I didn't stab or shoot him. It was everything I had within me to not just fucking obliterate this guy. I was so fucking mad. They damaged the tires on the car too. You know, they use these hoops, these tire baskets when they tie these cars down and they're all greasy and fucked up. You know, the guy like throws it over the tires and which I didn't watch him strap it down. I just thought, you know, which was my fault. Anyway, so yeah, they fucked it all up. Tow company told me to get stuff, they don't care. And uh, yeah, Haggerty, although sympathetic, was basically just like, sorry. So. That was a uh, not-so-positive experience uh, that I did have with Haggerty, but to their credit, their part was actually very good. It's just the vendor that they used was terrible. It was awful. And uh, so, yeah, as far as their roadside assistance uh, things may go, your results may vary. That's the only negative thing I can say about Haggerty. And uh, 
I wish I could remember the tow company's name. It was like Sergeant's Towing or something. Something like that in Vancouver, Washington. Yeah, they were fucking terrible. So don't use them. They suck. But uh, Haggerty's been great. So there you have it. Okay. Um, I'm rambling. Let's talk a little bit about Clyde. And uh, like I said before, I'll do a dedicated story about Clyde Wooten, who uh, was an incredible human and uh, a genuine person and a real hot rod and custom guy that just absolutely fucking oozed cool out of every pore in his body. The guy, I can't say enough good things about Clyde. The most humble, coolest guy ever. And uh, that came through extremely well in this 58 Pontiac Chieftain that I'm about to read you a little blurb about. It's essentially a for sale ad, <clears throat> classified ad uh, in article form. You guys need to go to the website, ironandsteel.com. Check out the John Jackson photos of this car. They are stunning. And uh, you know, most things look a little bit better in a photo if you know how to, if you know how to take a picture. Uh, that's not the case here. John Jackson is absolutely one of the best, uh, but the subject of the photos that he took truly is as incredible as it as it comes through in the pictures. So go to the website, check it out for yourself. If nothing else, just to drool. Um, but yeah, I want to get some uh, get a little bit of interest drummed up in this car and get it sold for uh, Marissa Clyde's uh, widow. So yeah, let's do that. I'm going to read you a little story about Clyde's car. Then we're going to do some Q&A. Then we'll say our goodbyes. Probably a quick Q&A because I feel like we're going to run a little bit long, but we'll see. And uh, yeah, let's do that. So uh, here we go. This is a little story about Clyde Wooten's 58 Pontiac Chieftain. All right, here we go. Here it is, a once in a lifetime opportunity to own one of the coolest cars to ever come out of the Pacific Northwest. And I meant that when I wrote that. I am offering this car for sale for my friend Clyde who has decided to thin the herd. He is a humble guy and he would never say this, but I will. This car is hands down the finest example of a 1958 Pontiac Custom that you will ever see. And now, it can be yours. So as you may know, the Clyde Wooten Pontiac debuted in 2014 and it caused quite a stir right out of the gate. It was shown at just a few select events in 2014 and 2015 and it won best of show at every single one it attended. After this, the car was essentially tucked away and has not been seen much since. This is sort of its reintroduction to the world. Now in the brief time it was out, Clyde's Pontiac also appeared nearly 20 times in various magazines in the US and beyond including a full 12-page spread in issue number 68 of the Rotter's Journal. This feature was put together by the dream team of master storyteller Pat Ganahl and photos by John Jackson. A detailed list of all of these publications that it appeared in is included at the bottom of this page. So it started out innocently enough with an already nice 1958 Pontiac Chieftain that just needed a little sprucing up. But as it often goes, one thing sort of led to another and that quote spruce up <laughs> would snowball into a complete and extremely meticulous cosmetic rebuild that spanned several years due to the high level of execution and attention to detail involved. The sum total of these efforts resulted in the absolutely stunning and tasteful custom you see here. Some of the most talented hands and creative minds in our hobby have been involved in the construction of this car. 
It is nearly impossible to document every single thing that was done, uh, either done to or touched on Clyde's Pontiac, but here is just a list of the basics. Bodywork by Paul Gilbert, paint by Mike Parsons. The brilliant and understated scallop design was created by Eric Black. Striping by Paul Camo. The beautiful, period perfect interior was designed and executed by Guy's Interior Restorations here in Portland. All of the glass and associated rubber was replaced by auto glass past and present. A complete wiring job by Tom Winchell. The functional lake pipes and complete exhaust system with MagnaFlow components by Exhaust Specialties, also here in Portland. Uh, all chrome and stainless has been redone, painstakingly restored, and is in better than new condition. Some of the subtle touches, custom touches, on this car include shaved door handles, nosed and decked, the Chieftain side badging was removed and a fourth star added in its place. The grille is a 60 Oldsmobile flipped upside down and modified to fit. There are snap-in, tuck-and-roll fender liners. All paint colors were custom-mixed. The wheels are 15-inch Pontiac, uh, 1956 Pontiac, and are powder-coated. Hubcaps are from a 59 Buick Electra 225. And there are tons more small details, all specifically calculated to add up to the gorgeous period custom you see here. Even with these modifications and many more, the restraint that was exercised throughout this build is every bit, sorry, every bit as evident. It is a truly perfectly balanced custom car. Mechanically, this car is clean, functional, and essentially stock. This was not a body off build. Therefore, the underside, although tidy enough, is not quite as polished as the top side. It does, however, serve its intended purpose and is perfectly respectable. A 370 V8 with later chrome OEM valve covers fills the engine compartment, a reliable four barrel Edelbrock carburetor with electric choke handles and fuel delivery, and it fires easily and runs just as it should. A four-speed hydromatic transmission gets it down the road with ease and shifts nice and smooth. It has shortened front springs, reworked rear springs by Oregon Spring, uh, and that combination achieves its incredible ride height, which is very striking in person. This car is so low. Uh, it goes down the road nicely and is an actual pleasure to drive. Since it has spent most of the years since its completion in hibernation, this car has just recently gone through a thorough mechanical freshen up for good measure. Uh, it has all new shock absorbers and all new brake components. The transmission and linkage have been rebuilt and reworked. The cooling system was inspected, flushed, pressure tested. And lastly, a complete tune-up was done to the engine. All of this was performed by a professional mechanic who also carefully and thoroughly inspected this beautiful car front to back to ensure that it ran and drove as nicely as it looked. Anything that was recommended uh, at the time was performed on this car. Uh, it is a turnkey and ready to drive right now vehicle. Again, this is a unique opportunity to own one of the best executed custom cars built in recent years. The next owner is going to be getting not just a stunning and award-winning traditional custom, but he or she will also be receiving a car that they can drive and enjoy right this minute. So it's time for someone to bring this stunner back into the public eye. Who will it be? The asking price, uh, and this is at the time that I wrote this, when Clyde was still alive, uh, at the time the asking price was $69,000. And the car, of course, is located in Portland, Oregon. 
Additional photos and or information can be provided. And at the time, interested parties were encouraged to contact Clyde directly. Uh, at this point, you can get a hold of me and uh, either via direct message or email, and uh, I will point you in the right direction. So there you have it. This truly is one of the most beautiful cars I've ever seen. And you guys need to go to the website and check it out for yourself. And uh, I encourage you to do so. So that was my story about Clyde Wooten's 58 Pontiac. And uh, go to the site, ironandsteel.com. Check it out for yourself. Uh, if you don't agree that it's the most beautiful 60s era Watson styled uh, custom car, that you've seen in a long time, I will eat my actual hat. All right, guys, thanks again for listening to that little story about Clyde's car. Again, go to the website, ironandsteel.com. Check out that story for yourself. It's on the second page. While you're there drooling over those photos, if someone comes to mind as being a good candidate for the next caretaker of that car, uh, copy the link, text it, email it to them, whatever. I really would like to drum up a little interest in this car and see if we can't get one thing off of uh, Marissa's plate, that's Clyde's wife, and uh, get kind of the things that she has to worry about whittled down and uh, help her out that way. So. Yeah, if you know somebody that's a good fit for that car, send them the link, repost it on social media, do all that stuff. It would be a tremendous help. So thank you in advance for doing that. All right. And I do plan to write, again, I I will write a story about Clyde at some point. I just kind of need to get in the right headspace to do that. I want to make sure that whatever I put down on paper, you know, quote paper, whatever I write in a story about Clyde, I want to make sure that it's doing justice to the person. So yeah, at some point in the near future, I will do that. All right, let's jump into some Q&A. We'll get through as many as we can, then we'll say our goodbyes. What we don't get to, we'll save for next week. Uh, yeah, not a whole bunch of deep stuff this week, just some general questions. So I'll answer those and then we'll say peace. Uh, first question was, where is your stomping ground? So. I, uh, I'm outside of Portland, Oregon, about 40 miles or so, just far enough away from the shithole rolling dumpster fire that is Portland, Oregon to, uh, not be affected by it <laughs> daily. So yeah, I've gone on rants about Portland a few times. I've had a few people like get all butthurt about it. It's like trying to defend Portland. Bottom line, uh, it's as bad as anybody says, and then some, and uh, yeah, it's terrible, and it sucks. So I live in a town, believe it or not, called Boring, Oregon, and it is just the right pace for me. It lives up to its name. It is fucking boring as hell. I love it, and uh, that's just the way I like it. So yeah, to answer your question, my quote, stomping ground is Boring, Oregon. Uh, what is the drivetrain in your Willys pickup and how often do you drive it? Uh, I don't drive it often enough. I really only pull it out to go drag racing, which anymore only happens a couple times a year. So yeah, I don't drive that truck as often as I should. I was just thinking about that the other day and it, uh, in most cases, it just kind of sits in the back of my shop and it's on dollies and I roll it around when it's in my way and just kind of in the back and out of sight, out of mind type of thing. But uh, it's a great truck. It runs and drives awesome. Uh, the, it's just a small block Chevy. Uh, it's a 350. That's 40 over. And, you know, it's got a cam and that all the usual suspects. Nothing earth shattering, but uh, small block Chevy, uh, Muncie, four speed and uh that one's got a nine inch with a spool. So yeah, I need to pull it out and do some burnouts that, you know, it's a well-sorted truck that could actually technically be driven on the street. 
if I put the header caps on it. But, uh, you know, it can be cumbersome the way it sits and things like that. And the spool, it makes it tough to, you know, you're not going to be like whipping it into the parking lot at Walgreens or anything like that into the parking space. It, uh, it's a full-blown race car, but it is a nice enough, well-sorted enough car that it could be and does deserve to be driven. So I should make a point and will make a point to get it out more often. Uh, the next question was, does making vroom vroom noises count as making progress or count toward your two hours a night philosophy? Hell yeah. Making vroom vroom noises is a quintessential part of any build. That's for sure. Uh, how many miles have you put on your, how many miles have you put on the Hemi coupe? <clears throat> uh, not very many. So when I got back from Trog, I had put, you know, 35 miles or so on it beforehand, went to the race, made a few passes. Uh, when I got back, I put another probably 40 or 50 hard, hard miles on it. So, uh, and then it developed a leak from the passenger side rear axle seal. So it's gushing differential fluid uh, pretty badly. So I need to, I got to get that sorted. I also bought some brakes from uh, Bowling Brothers too for the front, uh, some upgraded uh, brakes for that. So I wasn't happy with the setup that I had, so I went ahead on the way back up from Trog, stopped at Bowling Brothers, bought their uh, loaded backing plates kit, and uh, I'm going to drill the backing plates, I think, to kind of dress them up a little bit and then get those installed. So that coupe is sitting in the corner of the shop next to the Willys, as a matter of fact. And uh, here in the next few days, I'll jack it up, pull the wheels off, figure out what is going down with the axle seal, um, get one coming, get that put in, get those brakes on. And then I do plan to drive that car, you know, as close to every day as I possibly can. So I'm looking forward to doing that. So how many miles have I put on it? Not as many as I would like, but uh, after those repairs, I'll get her going and put some good hard miles on it. Uh, let's see. If you had to choose between shiny paint or horsepower, which would it be and why? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I like both really, <laughs> but uh, uh, I don't know. It depends on the car. You know, I, I don't have a problem with uh, with a car that doesn't have shiny paint. You know, a faster car is always more fun, of course. So if I had to choose between the two, it depends a little bit on the car, but. I think in the end, I would choose horsepower over a shiny paint job. Uh, that said, I do like a nice shiny car. If it's like a tail dragger custom car, I don't need to be going, you know, drag racing with it. I would like to have a nice, well-sorted shiny paint car with, you know, average horsepower in that situation. But for a hot rod, I will take horsepower over shiny paint just about any day. <clears throat> the next question was... Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. Do you think that, do you think that drinking culture and car culture are joined at the hip? It seems like every show, every car show I go to, people are drinking at 10 a.m. Lots of temptations. Uh, I don't know this person that asked that question, but I'm assuming that they're quitting drinking or whatever. So as far as being joined at the hip, drinking culture, quote, drinking culture and car culture, uh, yes but it's not just the car culture uh, that's joined at the hip with drinking culture. It's, it's everything. So, you know, it's just, uh, it's fucking everywhere. I mean, go to a golf course. Uh, I wouldn't be caught dead on one, but just as, as an example, uh, you know, it's just people are drinking at every, every social event of any kind. People are drinking. There's just no way around it. Car, car stuff is no different. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you about that. Um, yeah, they're joined at the hip, but so is everything else. Uh, so yeah, if you're someone that's trying to quit drinking or whatever, I can see that being a problem when I quit and I don't preach about this or talk about this at all. Cause I don't give a fuck what anybody does and I don't really like talking about it anyway, but, um, for the record on the subject kind of in line with this question, when I quit drinking like eight years ago. Uh, I didn't go to any car stuff or anything. I didn't go to anything for, I don't even know, a year and a half, almost two years. 
and uh, it's just because I couldn't. I mean, there's just too much drinking going on at all times. Like you said, lots of temptations. For me at that time, that was a problem. Now I don't give a shit. I don't. Everybody drinks 100% of the time. I'm totally cool with that. And uh, it doesn't interest me anymore. At the time, when I was trying to get it all sorted out, it was tough. And so I just didn't go to anything. So uh, to answer your question, yes, they are joined at the hip. Uh, and if what I'm thinking is right, my advice to you is just uh, don't go to that stuff or any social stuff uh, within reason as much as you can for a little bit till you get it figured out. Um, the last question was about the Nomad. It just says Nomad Project Update. There are no updates. <laughs> the project has not begun and uh, it's going to be a little bit before I get to it. Uh, that 32 coupe was a big hurdle. It's done or, you know, needs some repairs. But for the most part, it's done. Uh, then I have a couple things to button up on one other one. And then the Nomad will be after that. So I think probably this time next year, I will be starting on that Nomad. I have been collecting parts in the meantime. I've got a blower motor for it. I've got a transmission lined up. I'm trying to figure out if I should stick an old rear end in it or a nine inch or something because the way that I plan to drive that car and with that motor and all that stuff, I know I'm going to blow up that 56 Chevy rear end in a heartbeat. So I need to get kind of get that figured out. Uh, yeah, so I'm just gathering parts for now. There's no updates to report. I haven't even started on it, but uh, I will as quickly as I can. And uh, I'll probably document it on the website and all that good stuff too. So no updates to report, but uh, stay tuned, I suppose. All right, let's wrap it up right there for now. Yeah, thanks for listening to my uh, my story about my friend Clyde. Or more specifically about his car. Uh, really a special person. That car is incredible. Go to the website, ironandsteel.com. Check it out for yourself. Again, copy the links, share them with your friends. Uh, and again, make sure you're subscribed on the website. Make sure you're following and subscribed or whatever it is on the podcast. And uh, let's keep this stuff going. We'll probably get back to listener, reader, story submissions next week. So on that subject too, please don't be shy. Send in your stories. Jake at ironandsteel.com is the, uh, the email address. Yeah, just whatever story you have if it's old car related and it's important to you in any way send it through i'll tell every story that i receive and uh i really enjoy reading all of these stories that you guys submit and kind of the way i look at it is that we're telling stories that otherwise wouldn't be or may not be told so that's kind of how i look at it i feel like everybody's story is significant and important and interesting and uh, i want to tell as many as i can so if you have a story of your own or you know somebody that does, submit it to me and I will read it here on the podcast. And uh, if you include photos, I will also publish it on the website. So yeah, there you be. All right. Make sure you're subscribed. Share the links. Tell your friends and family. Let's keep this stuff going. Keep your stories coming in. And uh, until next week. All right, you guys. Thanks again. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.